And hello and welcome to Spooks, your isolation special again. And for a long time, it has been a long time, since we've talked to Douglas Skelton. Are you there, Douglas Skelton? I am here and I am raring to go. Raring to go is a great Yeah, I thing. shouldn't have had that last cup of coffee. It's just not good for me. No, no, I, I can understand that it would cause problems to a man of your, your age and sensibilities. Yes, I, yes. I haven't spoken to you to for, for a long time on here. How are you? No, no, and, and don't you think that I don't appreciate it? <laughs> I'm quite sure you don't. <laughs> how, 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 how have you been? Oh, very busy, as you know. As you know, we, we, we kind of went our separate ways and um, over the past uh, couple of weeks and interviewed uh, other, other authors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been busy doing that. I've been, I've been trying to write. Yes, as have I. Yes. Yeah, um, and narrators and publishers, of course, because you you interviewed Hugh Andrew from from Polygon. Don't know who that is. Uh, oh yes, no, I remember him now. Um, yes, he was on, and we had David Monteith on. Yes. Uh, oh, do, oh, do it, do it, do the voiceover artist. David Monteith, voiceover artist. <laughs> I told you one at the time I phoned the private hospital for um, to get my back sorted and. The hold music, didn't they? Yes, yes. Press, he, he, press was, one. he was the hold music. He was the hold music. Press one for heart attacks. Press two for strokes. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. You know? Press three for bloody hell, it's Dave Monteith, voiceover <laughs> artist. Dave Monteith, voiceover artist. He's <laughs> got a, a number of deliveries that he uses, um, as you know. But he's <laughs> very professional in, in, in all of them. Now, um, you are busy writing the third in the Rebecca Connolly series, I'm right in saying. Yes, I am. And how are you getting on with that? Oh, um, getting there, shall we say. (laughs) Getting there, sounds ominous. Getting there, it's it's a bit of a trackle, uh, as we say in Scotland, for for the benefits of of, uh, our uh, foreign listenership. Uh, that means it's it's hard going. Um, I don't know whether it's because of the you know the situation, you know the whole lockdown situation is is, is very surreal. Even though we're what, what, how many weeks into are we? Seven, eight weeks, seven. Um, we are. Um, well, I, I've not been counting to be honest because I was yeah. in lockdown before, but actually before the lockdown. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm kind of used to the isolation as well, but this is still a bit strange. Yes, it, it, it is, and I don't think it's going to end really anytime soon. Though, though I think there'll be nuanced, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Uh, but for the likes of, of my good self, it'll be a it'll be a hang out to the vaccine time. Yes, yes. Um, so I've been doing that. What what have you been up to? I've been busy writing my new novella, um, which is a follow on to the Sandy Hoynes um, Empty Nets and Promises. Um, novella we wrote I think it was two or three years ago 2017 it came out and or was it 2016 2016 goodness gracious doesn't time fly and it's set in a it's set in a a, a past Kinloch way back in time in 1967 and Stanley Hoynes is the skipper of a fishing boat and his first mate is Hamish from the DCI Daily novels, only a young version of himself. Uh, and 
what happens to to them. It's set around in December of 1967, and that's all I'm going to say about it at the moment. I can't tell you. Time flies. Yes, time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. So when uh, when will the when did you say the novella will be available? Uh, it's going to be out uh, on the um, I don't know. I have a date in October sometime. It'll right. be out in October in a special edition hardback, uh, in on ebook across platforms and as a audiobook. But ahead of that. Very exciting news for fans of Kinloch, uh, because we've got the eighth novel coming yep. out next 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 month. My goodness, we're in May already. Next month, we've got the, ne- next month. DC ideally eight is out. Jeremiah's Bell. Um, it's the eighth novel, eighth novel, but not the eighth. We have an, also an, a book nine of an anthology of short stories, of, of which Emptiness is one. But book eight in the series is out then um what can i t- tell you about it it's well you left us on a cliffhanger at the end of uh breath and dying embers didn't you did i i can't remember yes, uh, yes. Yeah, oh yes i did yes and i did yes. and I, I won't be giving away the outcome of that cliffhanger today what i will say about it is uh a very rich hotelier um alice wenger returns from America to Kinloch and she is a somewhat mysterious past but it doesn't take the, the canny locals long to find out there's something about her that's, that's strangely familiar. There are a family of historically wreckers. Now I don't know if you know much about wreckers Douglas, do you? About wreckers? Wreckers. Well, not personally, but you know, I do. I do know about the the lighting the bonfires or shining the lights to to lure the ships onto the rocks in order to plunder them. Of their yeah, wreckers were were historically um, people who tried to lure unsuspecting vessels onto the rocks and then plunder their cargo way back in the midst of time. Um, and some would say not that long ago as well. But um, there's a family of of of. Um, locals who live in a quite isolated part of Kintyre, who are have been known, or their family was known in the past as being wreckers, and they form the basis of the book. Um, and uh, the, the team in Kinloch have to deal with not only their own problems and and feelings, but they also have to deal with this new this new uh, problem, which leads to the discovery of a very Sickening crime indeed. So that's how it, that's how it's going to roll, Douglas. And it's a belter of a read because I I've been fortunate enough to to receive an advanced copy and it is a belter of a read. And those who are concerned about the cliffhanger, I actually do know um, how it all turns out. So and I am willing to you know Denzel's not willing to tell you, but I am willing to tell you. So what to do is um, you you take a ten pound note. And you put your um, email address, write your email address on that £10 note and send it to me, uh, care of Spooks. That's Spooks with a B. 14 wow. Rue de Remarques, Cessnock Sir Clyde, Glasgow. And uh, by return, I will tell you whether or not uh, the cliffhanger is as you feared. And that, that I think that's only fair enough. I think that probably arrived just at the same time as the post with, from from the aforementioned <laughs> Andrew, which says, "Dear Mr. Skelton, 
Your services are no longer required. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, no, it has, it has, it has caused a great deal of speculation. This, and there people are always trying to read what I into something I see on Twitter or elsewhere um, that um, points to the the solving of this cliffhanger. But I've never given it away, and I won't be doing so until you read the book. No, and neither you should. Absolutely. Ten yes, pound note, email yeah. address, straight to Spooks, and I'll get you sorted. It's worth Someone it. else has been happy. What, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? I read Count Belisarius by um, Robert Graves. I've been reading the wonderful book by Hilary Mantel, Mirror and the Flame. Um, I've been reading a bit of Gordon Brown's biography. I've been reading a bit of The Darkness. Is it The Darkness by... No, sorry, The Island. It was the second one by Ragnar Jonasson. I've read a book by The, the Sister, by Chilola Dal, which I enjoyed. Um, it's his latest one. Uh, oh, very, you know me, various, various weighty tomes. Um, I'm working my way through the Robert A. Carroll series on um, Lyndon B. Johnson, which I commend to everybody who has an interest in any way in politics or just in life because like any great biographer Robert Caro uh, tells you all about the life and times and and the antecedents of Lyndon Baines Johnson and you know a lot about Pernal, the Pernalas and the you know the the creation of the old the wild west if you like he, he winds up to, to it very very well uh, and it's for any, even anybody that's interested in the in westerns and and the American society of you know the mid eighteen fifties onwards, uh, it's an interesting and a very interesting read, or many many reads because it's a number of books. So I'm working my way through that at the moment. I've also I'm listening to an audio book called Mud Larking. Now I can't quite remember what the author's name is. That's which is terrible. But it's about her experiences on the Thames. Mudlarkers are people who comb the, the shores of the Thames looking for interesting historical objects. Uh, and as an audiobook, I'd, abs- I'd absolutely recommend it. It's very, very good indeed. Okay. What about you, Dugs? Well, I, I, I read um, Jeremiah's Bell by some guy called Denzel Myrick. Oh, well, that must have given you great joy. I, I also, I, I'm not as, as widely read as you, and uh, I seem to be getting no. slower in my reading as, as I get older. But no. I, I read Gordon Brown, not, not the Gordon Brown whose biography you've been dipping into, but uh, Gordon Brown writing as Morgan Cry. How do you uh, know? How do you know he doesn't write a biography? Because. Well, well, that's true. Now, that would be reading, wouldn't it? Hey. No, if Gordon, if Gordon Brown. Brown did, if that our Gordon Brown did write a biography, he'd yep. probably do it in about half a day. Because yes, because he's, he's a fat. machine. <laughs> he's, a machine. He's, a, he's a big red machine. Yeah, um, so I've, I've read his uh, new book, Writing as Morgan Cry, uh, 31 Bones, which isn't out yet. It's not out until next month uh, as well. Uh, it's a damn good read. It's a jolly good read. Yes, nice, it's also filled, uh, suspenseful, uh, and and very intriguing read about uh, murky goings on on the the Costa del Brava, Costa del Sol, whatever it is, whatever Costa it is, and it's not coffee. Crime. Uh, it's crime on the yeah. costas, and, and I've read it. 
Uh, and a very enjoyable book it was too, and I recommend that to you. It's coming out in, I think it's July, but I might be wrong. Is it July? Uh, Sorry, I thought it was June. There we are. It's either June or July. God will probably punish us both for not for not, not getting the date right, but it's coming out very soon. Uh, look in your, on your provider, whoever you're buying. Now, now that's an interesting, leads to, leads just to an interesting question. Where are people getting their books from? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, independent bookshops, and I think Watterson's as well, uh, and other chains are still operating some sort of um, postal service for people. So you can order online and it will be posted out. And I think that that's helping a lot of indies um, continue. Mm, sure. Uh, but also, of course, uh, digitally. So you can you can still get ebooks and audiobooks. Uh, oh, yes. Very, very easily, and uh, as you know, the audiobook market is is growing. Yeah, the audiobook market is quite amazing, actually, because I'm not sure there's audiobooks have been around for a very, very long time, um, not just for, for the blind, but for normal for normal seeing people as well. Um, but they came in the form when originally there were big, big LPs which for our younger mm-hmm. listeners won't know even what that is. Uh, and then they went on to cassette and then to, on to, to CD. But I think the arrival of streaming has made a huge difference to, to audiobooks and their accessibility and that their popularity seems just to be burgeoning. Well, you, you lost me at LP and cassette because I really don't know what you're talking about there, Denzel. It's maybe something you, you would have to explain to me because um, I, I am just a youngster. You have CDs all over the place. I know this for oh, a fact. CDs, yes, yes, I have CDs, but it was the it was the, these terms LP and cassette, long player oh. sets. Yes, cassettes. What used to do uh, way back when in my heady youth, when you you would have you would try and impose your musical tastes on your friends by making a, a selection of your favourite music and giving them the cassette. Uh, so you would have likes of, in my case, it would be the Beatles and Sting and the Jam and all this kind of stuff, and you'd whack it onto one tape. And and but most of my friends had completely different tastes in music from me, so they probably never ever listened to them. That's what that's what I could say it was. That's very quaint. It was very quaint, and, and it was like early form. It was early form social media. The cassette was an early form of social media, or, or, or exchanging the cassette was the early form of social media. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. I mean, it, actually, I mean, people are always doing their playlists now and putting them up on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it is they put them on Facebook, you know, Twitter. Uh, but in those days, you just stuck in a bit of cassette. Mind you, it was a very limited audience because it was just the person you'd sent it to. Yeah. However, however, it was the same principle when you think about it. Yes, I suppose it was. I suppose it was. But no, uh, you know, these LP things and cassettes are obviously long before my time. Um, so thank you very much for clearing that up. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've explained that way. But audiobooks, I recommend them to you. And and it leads me on to another point that I was going to make is I've noticed that on social media again that some people are fine, and on the radio, some people are finding it difficult to concentrate on reading at the moment. Have you have you come across this, Douglas? Yes, I've come across it personally. <laughs> I'm finding it difficult concentrating on reading and even watching stuff on the TV. So, so you just sit and stare at a blank wall hopelessly for the most of the day? 
Yes, yes. Waiting for inspiration, waiting for the muse to alight from the heavens onto my fevered brow. My goodness, how awful. Um, well, what's we'll any more about that? But, but I think seriously, though, I know that some writers are finding it difficult to write as well. Um, and there's really a little explanation for that because. As writers, this is what we do all the time. We're always sitting in, in darkened rooms on our own, writing something. And it's strange that, that we're, we're finding it more difficult to write these days. And I think it's right across the board. I've heard from so many writers who are finding it difficult to concentrate, to, to write at the moment. And why? what are your theories as to why that would be? I think, I think we'll just seize any excuse not to write. <laughs> I think, I think there's a there's a strong element of that that you know any excuse not not to actually write we will grab it with both hands. Um, I, I think there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot of people are worrying as well. A lot of writers also have um, health conditions themselves, uh, mm. which may well concern them, or uh, their family will have health conditions uh, that, that will concern them. So this entire situation will distract them from the actual writing. But then there are others who who uh, are, are seizing uh, this opportunity to really churn out the words. I'm thinking of um, Emma Clapperton, Alex Kane uh, here in particular, uh, who yes. is, is really belting out the words. And, you know, I, I hate her for it. And um, uh, Professor David Wilson, the criminologist, he's found um, that, that it's been a, a boon to him because he's been able to to uh, get something done ahead of schedule. Um, so, well, I think uh, with Emma, I think with Emma, her being you know, Emma has a full time job as well, which is a very demanding one. She, but I think she's finding the you know the, just being just being a writer is is a um, is a bit of a pleasure really. Um, good. I mean, good for them. It's it's good to know. Then that, but that raises a point as well about writing. When I was working full time, I, I managed to get to come home and write at night and at weekends, etc. And now I'm writing full time, and I find it very difficult to write. And I I, I don't understand what that is. First um, all. I know, oh. I know. I hope if I had violins, I would be playing them. It's, it's so. It's you know, Emma is is finding that now she's got the time. She can you know fairly batter in. Uh, I've had time for quite a while, and it's a struggle. It's been. I don't think there's any explanation for it, really. I think I think it's the whole idea of what's happening is pressing down on people, and 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 that's always going to be a problem, and and. Uh, you know that there are people shy away from these comparisons with with wartime, but light wartime, or not well until the, near the end of the war. In the in case of the Second World War, there was very little end in sight, and I think that's the problem. I, I think if people could say, well, on um, July the twenty fourth, we'll all be back to doing what we always did, um, that would be okay. But we can't. Nobody can say that. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. And so that in itself is a is a problem for people who who really that's the depressing part. I don't. I think if you told anybody you're going to have to stay in for for a seven, eight, nine, ten weeks because of this very dangerous virus, the, the, their attitude would be entirely different if they knew there was an end in sight. But there appears to me to be no real conclusive end in sight for the whole population. Yeah, 
That, yeah, that that kind of does reflect on what I'm writing just now, because as I'm writing the third Rebecca Connolly book, I'm aware that the world has changed. And yeah. I'm trying to juggle how much of that change I can put into the story, because obviously I'm trying to tell a story. And I can't have Rebecca stuck in the house trying to follow up um, the, 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 the story that she's following. So she has to be out, she has to be speaking to people and things have to be going on. So I'm walking a very fine line while um, trying to recognise that the world has changed, but also trying to carry on as I would normally with the character. And I'm finding that very very difficult. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think there's two, there's two to just to change that point slightly, there's two, there's two schools of thought here, and that is that one is that you're writing a book that's set, if you're writing the present day, you're going to have to put something about the coronavirus in it. And there's others who will say, well, the last thing people who want to do when this coronavirus ends and is read a book about it or yeah. obtaining it. Um, I, I'm of the, the, the latter persuasion, but I know that you perhaps are not. Well, it's not, it's not that I... I, I... I want to write about the coronavirus. I'm just saying that the world around Rebecca will have mm. changed and I have to somehow um, reflect those changes while mm. also carrying on as before. Uh, I'm not writing a book about the coronavirus, but certainly certain, certain things will have changed. Now, this won't be coming out until next year and we really don't know what kind of position we're going to be in next year. Hopefully no, we'll be back to some kind of normality, but there will still, I would imagine, still be certain restrictions on us. So I'm trying to figure out how far I can go uh, without people saying, yes, but you can't do that anymore. Well, I have found a solution to this uh -huh. um, because when it comes to book 10 of the, the Daily series, I'm going to write about the late Jim Daly's um, uh, you know, past what extent? Oh, oh wait a minute! Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Gen gentle, gentle listener, Mister Myrick may well be giving you a bum steer there. We don't but know. He may not. Can you? Can you? the book and find out. Buy Just the book and find out. Edit out, Douglas. Edit out. No one will ever know. Um, you're pretend. I mean, it's it's, a, it's 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 fine. We'll just gloss over it as we do so with so much in our lives. Now, um, the, online, I'm also spying many many things. Um, I'm spying. Steady, steady. Let's not, not go down that. No, I've not been on that. Those those particular websites. Um, I, I take it you're referring to Hulu. <laughs> Or or um, Netflix, um, but but uh, I'm spying quizzes. I'm spying authors doing virtual festivals. I'm spying um, many 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 things. And indeed, you are about to take part in one of these many things with the yeah. four blokes. Yes, yes, the four blokes will be searching for that plot uh, online. On uh, Tuesday, May the 19th at 7.30, uh, on the Facebook page of a Facebook Live event. 
Four Blokes uh, have uh, there is a, a Four Blokes Facebook page. So if if uh, anybody wants to go on there and like it, and at seven thirty on Tuesday nineteenth, the four of us uh, will be on there uh, trying to create some kind of story with the audience's help. Um, and uh, madness will will take over. It always does. Sometimes we start off seriously, but it never stays. It never stays serious for very long, and uh, degenerates into into farce very very quickly. Uh, but it's fun. It is good fun. I think if you leave the f off that that word, I think you're just about right. It turns into farce very quickly. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 it's already my story of an, an old sergeant of mine in the police, and him and I didn't rub along too well. And and he used to talk like that, you know. And he and he said he was combing his hair in the mirror, and he says, "Look at look at that. I'm I'm a right good looking. I'm not saying the word. I'm not." And I said, "Leave leave out the good looking, and you're bang on." <laughs> well, there are four absolute farces taking part in the uh, in, in the show. Uh, I, I, there, there's Gordon Brown, the aforementioned Gordon Brown. I don't know whether he will be Gordon Brown or Morgan Cry that night. I think you know that'll be one of the, the part of the excitement. We've got Mark Leggett, uh, Neil Broadfoot, and myself. So it'll, it will be good. It will be good. Well, as the eponymously named podcast that we did recently, um, Gordon Brown makes Morgan cry. Yes, yes. So there you are. I thought that up, by the way, before Douglas takes any, any kind of credit No, I would, I would never, ever take credit for anything um, like that. <laughs> good. That is very, very good. Uh, now, other other points, points of business arising. Um, what, away from writing... Away from away from watching quizzes and participating in online events, what are you doing with your time, Douglas? Uh, just the usual, you know, cleaning the house, doing the washing, washing. Where do all these dishes come from? There's only me in the house. I think somebody breaks in and leaves them here for me to wash, and then comes and takes them away the next morning. Um, walking, walking, Mickey, who has been very quiet today. He hasn't barked. Do you think there's a problem? Well, you know, he normally barks, as you know. He normally makes his presence felt, no matter who I'm speaking to. Uh, I, oh, yeah. Even when I, I, I did the uh, the Tartan Noir podcast with, with Teresa Talbot, uh, he, he made an appearance there too. <laughs> yes, I heard. Um, uh, um, I mean, we should, we should probably mention our friends over at the uh, Big Light Tartan Noir yeah. Show, um, which both Douglas and I have appeared on separately. I'm glad to say, uh, but but it's I, an I excellent. Just... They're they're very slick, very slick, yes. aren't they? Very slick. Yes. That's um, very good. And it's it's all right, and um, but I mean, mine is the best, the best one, obviously. Um, well, you know, no, I, you I, get, you competition here. Carol Ramsey was on and, and Carol was great. James Oswald was on. Liam Liam McIlvanny. Uh-huh. Um, Liam McIlvanny was on. Uh, so I think he was on. I might be I might be He's got a big beard, yes. Um, a lovely, lovely man. I, I met him in Butte House 
not that long ago, he said, um, not not name dropping the fact that he had met Liam Magalvani in Butte House. Uh, he was on he was on the dishes and I was hoovering at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the noise that Did you have your feather duster out? Sorry? Did you have your feather duster out? Um, no, you know I will never make any comment about that, Douglas. Now you should know better. My feather duster remains a secret. But um, for those who, who don't know, of course, Liam McIlvany is the son of William McIlvany, the late William McIlvany, who really, in all essence, kicked off the thing that Douglas and I do for a living, which is crime writing in Scotland. So um, we owe, and Liam himself is, a, is an excellent writer and a, and a university professor to boot in New Zealand. Yeah. He's, he's, and he's got a big beard. And a jolly decent cove. Decent Cove, indeed. If you're listening, Liam, we'll try and get you onto Spooks. I don't know how we'll manage that with the technology at our disposal, but we'll do it if we can. I shall contact you soon. Be ready. And we're about we're going to have um, Alex Gray on soon, and also Mason Cross. Alex, um, what's his other name now? He's got lots of names now. Oh, Mason I've Cross. There was MJ Cross, and now it's Alex Knight. Well, we'll have we'll have Malik's cross yeah. on, and and he'll explain to us these very many names under which he, he writes so well. He's got a new book out called Hunted under the, the uh, nom de plume Alex Knight, and very good it is too. We'll so have William McIntyre on as well at some point. Well, William McIntyre, yes, um, we'll have him on as well. We're also going to have an, another another advocate on as well, um, uh, who remains nameless, but a proper a proper advocate. Well, Willie McIntyre is a uh, a lawyer of some note, and we'll also have an advocate of some note on as well. So that's to look forward to in the future. We're also trying to grab a hold of a senior BBC journalist who will be giving a slowdown on what she does on a day-to-day basis. But as you can imagine, dear listeners, she's very busy at the moment with all the goings-on that are going on. Uh, she has both a radio and television career. I'm not going to tell you as yet, but, you know, all will be revealed very soon. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm just coming not. right to the right time now. Yeah. I'm, I'm revealing nothing. No, no, I mean, I'm, I'm still under caution. Yes, and quite, quite wisely too. So, what, what have you been watching on the, the now? I know there's recently been, uh, uh, you know, you've entered the 21st century over in spooky towers across it, uh, the hole in the wall. Tell yes. us what major digital advance has taken place in your life. Well, I've given up any hope of BT ever being able to to upgrade the lines to hole in the wall in order for me to receive broadband down the phone lines. So I have I now have uh, unlimited data uh, from my you know straight to my dongle. So I you know I I get my dongle out, I I turn it on, and uh, I I can stream in an unlimited way using my dongle. Uh, which is is you know I I, I do hope that this is going to be prove uh, very pleasurable for me uh, and uh, informative. Have you ever used your your newly um, rejuvenated dongle 
on the the recently erected daybed to dip your tank? Um, not yet, because all of this just happened within the past couple of days. Uh, but yeah, I will get around to to get my dongle onto the daybed uh, and do some dipping. Um, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to that day. So you now are, are are open to services like Netflix and Amazon Prime, etc. I, I kind of I kind of hope so. I haven't worked out how to do that yet. Um, it's not. Uh, it, it'll be difficult for me. It's always difficult for me. No, uh, no. I will get around to. It. I've got so much to watch anyway. I mean, my I've got Sky, so my Sky planner is absolutely jam packed full. Of recording, so I do have a lot, and I've got DVDs there that I've still not watched, so I've got plenty to, to watch. Um, the problem is, there's not a great deal that, that's holding my interest really. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I have, I mean, I gave up in Killing Eve, um, Did you? series, yeah, yeah, given up in that, and um, I wasn't terribly impressed with series two. I thought the first series was absolutely wonderful, but I thought series two meandered and was le- was you know less interesting and series three just was not capturing me so it's gone um yeah. and uh, th- there's a there's a show on alibi called uh, miss scarlet and the duke which i've been thoroughly enjoying it's only about there's only about six episodes uh, right. of it in total so far uh-huh. unless it's Another series, but it's it's quite fun and it's it's set um, in the nineteenth century and she's a a, a a a woman who inherits her father's private detective business and the Duke is an inspector with the Metropolitan Police called Wellington, hence the Duke, and he's Scottish uh, as wow. it turns out. It's made it's made in Ireland, I think, but it's it's good, it's superb production values and uh, and some interesting storylines. So if, if nobody's seen that, you should you should actually catch it. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'm surprised about the Killing Eve thing. I'm I'm still persevering, quite in fact, quite enjoying the 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 third series. Though I did see, I know a lot of people have mentioned this. There was a kind of dip in series in series two. And that was explained away by the lack of Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, in the writing. Um, and she's not involved either on Series 3, I don't think. No, she's not. Uh, because she was busy doing James Bond. Um, but I do... St- I'm, I'm still in, still enjoying it. I, I think that, that each... I think they've done it quite cleverly, actually, because each series has been... And uh, Sophie Waller-Bridge brings a certain... Uh, something to anything that she does... Um, I've watched Fleabag and I've watched Killing Eve and I've seen one of her stage shows online mm-hmm. and she brings that certain something to uh, to, to everything she does and, and I'm sure she'll bring it to James Bond but I wonder if that certain something could have been sustained across three series of the one character, I'm not sure <clears throat> that we perhaps don't. it could have been We don't know uh, I just it's just, not, it's just not working for me anymore I've also been watching Minder and the Sweeney so I've been going back to the seventies. Have you been down the music hall at all? No. <laughs> no. Down the old is, that find, is that where I'll find LPs and cassettes? Yeah. No, not even then, Douglas. You may find men with large sideburns and moustaches. All oh, right. Yeah, there's plenty of them at the moment as well with the lockdown hairstyles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. 
the guys will damn your eyes and wonder why you're not in the Blue Devil factory. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's another story entirely. Um, I, I, myself and Mrs. Myrick, have been watching a selection of things. In fact, my, my dear wife is, is famously not a television fan. Um, I've been to the pictures on numerous occasions with Fiona. She's, she's you know, she's uh, deigned to go with me, even though she doesn't enjoy going to the cinema at all. And on one occasion, she fell asleep. Um, that was good luck and good night. Good night and good luck, I think it was. Uh, and on another occasion, she went to the toilet out of the exit door in the emergency exit do- door in the cinema in Glasgow, which is quite funny. I mean, I, <laughs> but she doesn't she she doesn't like the TV either. But since the, all this is this terrible virus has been upon us, she's been an avid fan of television. Would you believe that, Doug? Well, I think people are actually finding different facets to their, their entertainment life that they, you know, they might not have encountered or, or, or uh, thought about before. So, yeah, I can actually believe it. But should, it's be a lot of box sets you've been watching, isn't it? A lot of box sets um, on Netflix and Amazon Prime and elsewhere. Uh, we've rewatched all of The Sopranos. Um, we've she I'd, I'd watched Mad Men, but she she hadn't. So we've I've rewatched that with her. Um, we've watched Breaking Bad. Um, we've watched House of Cards. All of all of the seasons, apart from the the last season, um, which of oh, House of Cards, which was really pulled together after um, the problems with with Mister Mister S, and you know it, it looked very pulled together as well and didn't really work. Um, and now we're on to a much under. I, I, I've never heard a lot about this television show in, in the, I've read in the press or heard about it. But Better Call Saul, which is a spin-off from Breaking Bad, and it involves Saul Goodman, who was the, the lawyer in the Breaking Bad series, and it's really, really good and it's very well done. Um, and I I cannot commend it highly enough to you. Right. And in amongst that, I my wife still retains a, cer- a certain wariness over some productions. And I've been watching the Medici's or the Medici and also uh, The Last Kingdom, which is the ad- adaptation of Bernard, Bernard Cornwell's excellent books. Uh, so that's what we've been doing. In t- and of course, I'm always listening to radio and we podcasts and we've got the audiobooks and the radio itself, radio. I'm mainly a radio four man. I stay away from the news channels because they are just populated with speculation about the coronavirus. And I think you can just have a wee bit of overload in that. Would you agree? Yes, I've, I, I don't watch the news now at all. I'll maybe catch a wee bit of it. Uh, this morning I tuned in just to watch um, the, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the, the segment on BBC Breakfast that deals with technology, etc. Um, the technology click, segment. Click, yeah, 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 yeah. So I watch that because I always find that interesting. Uh, and uh, and that was it. Then I, I I probably switched over to some piece of nonsense. But I've also been watching you know a lot of films because as you know I'm a big movie fan. So I yeah. watched the, the latest uh, Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, yes, Once upon a time that. in Hollywood. Didn't like yeah, it. Didn't like it. You didn't like it as much didn't as like I. I quite liked it, but you didn't like it at all. It's not that I didn't like it at all. It's it's the usual thing uh, I find with Mr. Tarantino and that the, the, 
there are, are for me, and again, these this is purely um, subjective. Uh, for me, there's there are always good things there, but the film is is far too long. The scenes go on too long. Um, mm. uh, the ending was utterly ludicrous, and uh, it's. I just felt that, you know, you could have shaved an hour off that. You had a, quite, a, you know, a nice tight film. Uh, and um, what else did I watch? Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, which I also, ah. also thought was, was dreadful. Um, what did you think was dreadful about it? Tell us the specifics. Again, too long. And mm-hmm. too much about the Force. Far too much about the Force. Uh, I, I always found the Force stuff deathly dull, even in the original trilogy, which I love, and I still love the original trilogy. But I just as they progressed, um, and even in the prequels, um, going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about the Force uh, just bores me rigid. I, on Disney+, Plus have been watching The Mandalorian. Now, I think this will be much more to your taste, Douglas, because it takes the story back to when Yoda was a baby, and a very cute baby he is too. Uh, and I bet, I bet you that the, the if, if there is a Christmas this year, um, and we're not back to Cromwellian times and he cancelled Christmas altogether, uh, baby Yoda will be the toy of choice for everybody. Um, but The Mandalorian is is good and is very reminiscent of the original three films because it relies heavily on story, albeit episodic because it's television, but it relies heavily on story rather than CGI because clearly they didn't have as much money to spend on its production as they had with the, the films. And it's none the worse for that. Uh, and so I think you will enjoy the Mandalorian. When you, I'll be interested to hear your, your opinions when you see it. Does Baby Yoda leap about with a lightsaber? I'm not going to give any spoilers as to ba- ba- Baby Yoda. As soon as, as soon, I will lose interest as soon as Baby Yoda leaps about. <clears throat> I haven't seen him leaping about to date. Um, <laughs> the way it's. <laughs> It's done very no. I think it's done very very well. I think the stories are interesting. The well again episodic stories, so they're not. You're talking 40, 40, 42, 45 minutes long each. Um, so they they are. It's a, it's there is an arc, but it's done episodically. Uh, but and so but in that way, not like the films, but much more, much more reminiscent of the of the, the original three films. I I feel. I'm written by Jean Favreau, who has been involved in many things over the years, including a, a guest spot in the, the Sopranos, a couple of episodes of The Sopranos, which he did very well way back. Um, so I, I th- I'll be interested to see what you think of The Mandalorian. Yes, I look forward to see it. I hope I do like it. I think what Star Wars has suffered from generally is any, any Star Wars film without Darth Vader in it has been a disappointment. Uh, because Darth Vader was the the, the star of the show, um, regardless of Stuy Harrison Ford and anybody else. It was Dave Prowse in a big plastic suit with the voice of James Earl Jones that made the films. Um, and for me, any you know the, the lack of a proper Darth Vader in the, in the any of the subsequent films, whether they be prequels or the finishing uh, 
three episodes of the of the the the, the saga have have let it you know that's that it's lost um, because Kylo Ren I'm afraid was was as threatening as as a as a small horse. I yeah, think. it was like a petulant schoolboy, and that was that was the issue. Uh, yeah, with, I, with I, I, I mean, I don't know the actor very well. I've seen him in other things, and I thought he was quite good. It was someone in a film recently, which I can't remember, online, and I thought he played it very well. It was one of these expose films. Um, thought he did it very very well, but I don't. I think he was the wrong choice to be a baddie in any anything because he just doesn't have the. You know, the, the part wasn't written well, and he didn't, I don't think, portray, portray it particularly well because it wasn't what he was good at. But enough of us slagging off Star Wars because we'll never go into Disney Plus ever again. That's, that's, <laughs> your chance, that's your chance of getting Rebecca Connolly on Disney finished. <laughs> but I, I've got to say, and I have to say very, very quickly, the, for me, the most valuable player in the Star Wars empire is composer John Williams because even although you know when I wasn't enjoying the films and that includes the prequels I still thought he plays a blinder with the music this music was always good even although the the what I was watching was far from good well I agree with you there that certainly Mr Williams added a great deal to to the the, brought a great deal to the party um, but I, I shall give you this. I, I shall finish our, our Disney Star Wars chat with what's the difference between Douglas Skelton and Walt Disney? <laughs> I give in. Douglas likes a bit of Conley and Walt Disney. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, so that's 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 another opportunity ruined for you, Skelton. Good. good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, I suppose we better tie up our chat after such a long yes. period. But, but it's been nice to speak to you again on Spooks um, after so long. As we've we've trailed in this episode, there's a number of things happening, including the publication of various books, including Morgan Cry. That's Gordon Brown, but the book is Morgan Cry. Uh, look, it's uh, Thirty Nine Bones, isn't it? Thirty One Bones. Oh, I get my count wrong. Thirty One uh, Bones. Further down the series, so Thirty One Bones. Oh, he's doing them in, so the next there'll be 32 bones. Good. Oh, I don't Good. think so. No. <laughs> no, well, I, no I think that. that's true. I think that's what's going to happen. 32, I mean, uh, that's a good idea. I'm, I'm going to put that to him and I'll speak to him next. Gordon, this is Douglas and I come up with a perfect idea for how to name your series, and I'm sure he'll take our advice. <laughs> anyway, there we are. You can download this podcast on your podcast provider of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and many, many more. And don't forget, there is now an official Spooks Twitter page, at Spooks15. So get on there and follow us and hear all the latest. And, and, I mean, you can give us questions, and we will put them to whoever we're speaking to at the time or answer them ourselves or whatever. Uh, Anyway... (laughs) From Spooks, from Douglas, it's... Uh, oh, goodbye. That's the one. And for me, goodbye, and see you soon. That was Spooks with Denzel Myrick and Douglas Skelton. 
And as Denzel said, you can now follow Spooks on Twitter. Just find Spooks15. That's Spooks with a B and one five. And you can leave comments and questions and a few suggestions as long as you keep them clean. Well, cleanish. Thank you for listening. Spooks was a Houses of Steel production.